Welcome to Future Proof, the marketing podcast from Said Business School, Oxford University, and Kantar, the data insights and consulting company. In each episode, we speak to industry leaders about the big issues in marketing, sharing evidence and inspiration for the future. I'm Andrew Stephen, the L'Oreal Professor of Marketing and Associate Dean of Research. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. At the Said Business School. I'm Julie Coleman, Chief Research Officer for Cantor. So today's podcast is about getting the media mix right, which is a sort of a timeless question in marketing, but with all the different media channels that we can use, uh, it's a more complex problem. So today our guest is Gareth Jones. He is the CMO for the UK for eBay. Gareth, why don't you um, start off a little bit by telling us more about eBay and how eBay has evolved since its beginnings. So let's rewind to September 1995. And uh, our founder, Pierre, created a website, which at the time was called Auction Web, and listed a couple of items on it. And Pierre's now uh, a philanthropic billionaire who's still involved in the business. But I think the fundamental principles that he established back in 1995 are still prevalent, which is that humans are good and technology is there to enable opportunity. And so the first thing he sold back in September 1995 was interestingly a broken laser pen. So for people of a certain generation, you'll (laughs) recollect those little devices that projected a spot onto a very fuzzy acetate on the wall. He had a broken one and a travelling salesman who couldn't afford a brand new one bought it. Now, Pierre had never met the travelling salesman. He was selling something on the other side of the United States and it was fundamentally based on a principle of trust. And buyers and sellers and connecting eBay and eBay facilitating that exchange, trust is still an important principle that fuels the ecosystem. A year later, so in 1996, we introduced ratings, which gave validation to um, the integrity of buyers and sellers. And then a year later, we sold, or Pierre sold, the millionth item. And so if we fast forward to today, 
eBay in the UK, uh, we're the second biggest online retailer in the UK behind Amazon. And we're second by a very significant margin to the third. In the last 52 weeks, we had 25 and a half million people in the UK buy something on the platform. So we've got a very high level of penetration. So almost 60% of anybody doing anything online is transacting on eBay. So every three seconds, a makeup item is sold on eBay, brand new makeup items. Every two seconds, a car part is bought. Every three seconds, a kitchen item is purchased. At this very moment in time, in terms of live listings, we have 1,234,865,223 items live on the platform. So if people are searching for anything, we're pretty confident they can find it on eBay. And I think the other thing that is fascinating about the business is that we are very much a barometer of what's going on in society. And a sort of measure of the cultural zeitgeist in many respects. And so when there's topical programmes, destination to view programming on TV, that's reflected on eBay. Uh, some of you may be familiar with a show called Peaky Blinders. Whenever Peaky Blinders was on BBC, we saw a 350% increase in the sale of pocket watches. When McMafia was on at the beginning of last year, uh, we saw a, an exponential increase in the searches for Chesterfield sofas as part of that sort of oligarch, uh, lavish interior decorating style. I had no idea of the breadth and the size of eBay in this day and age. To be perfectly honest, eBay has not been in my consideration set when I do my online shopping. So I guess it makes me curious. Is there a difference between an eBay shopper and an Amazon shopper, for example? So eBay not being in your consideration set is part of our challenge. And where we want to get to is that when people are thinking about online destinations to shop, eBay's salient and it's within their repertoire of choice. And I think what we've done to nudge ourselves into that consideration set is uh, fundamentally review how we think about in a linear very simplistic linear sense the funnel and how we spend our money in terms of spend across channels and if I think about the last three and a half years that I've been at eBay that's that mix has fundamentally changed let me just touch on the audience first so we've got 25 and a half million active shoppers on the platform in the UK our objective in 2019 is to grow another 6 to 7% in terms of penetration. Uh, so that's a hundred of thousands more people magnetised to the platform over the course of the next 12 months. Uh, typically, we're seeing at the moment about 40 to 50,000 new customers come to the platform. And I wonder whether the sort of landscape is a part of that, that consumers are uh, finding uh, it's difficult at the moment, consumer confidence is low, and eBay has always been a beacon for value. And what's interesting about the platform today is that we've still got a misconception with many consumers that we are a digital version of a Sunday morning car boot sale. And uh, that's <laughs> certainly not the case. Uh, that what we call C2C proposition, so consumers selling their unwanted, pre-loved um, stuff in their house, is still about 20% of the business. But the vast majority of our top line GMV and our revenues come from brands, big and small, selling brand new items. And so on the platform, we've got about 200,000 small and medium sized businesses and uh, we've got lots of the big sellers as well. So uh, from Argos, AO, Boohoo, Curry's, Dyson, they're all selling new stuff on the platform. 
And so when we talk about new, we talk about with tags, inboxes, as if you're buying from John Lewis or Amazon online. And so that's now 80% of our, our, our weekly uh, performance. And I suppose where we needed to get to was we needed to re-educate people about the reality of that new shopping experience, not just the product, but also that underpins all of that are solid foundational retail standards. So a misconception that when you buy something on eBay, it's going to be expensive to ship or the postage and packing is going to be inordinately costly. Not the case. 80% of all of those new items are delivered with, with free delivery. There's a misconception that lots of the items that you might buy, even if they are new, are going to take ages to get delivered. Also, not the case. Most items get delivered in under two days. It's not going to be convenient. We've now got 6,500 click and collect places across the country, including Sainsbury's and Argos. So we, we needed to change our mix to tell the stories about the reality of the modern eBay marketplace in the UK. And to do that, we needed to tell those stories through broadcast media. And so if I think about when I first joined back in 2015, broadly 90% of our UK media budget was invested in digital. We still spend a lot of, in digital because it serves a purpose for us, but nearly 35% of our spend now has displaced into offline media. So that's radio, that's TV, that's outdoor, that's the normal channels that uh, big brands are using. And we're, we're increasingly doing that in the UK. So that shift of media into the traditional channels, what are you using that for versus what you're using your digital channels for? Because it sounds like there's two challenges here. One is increased penetration in the market. Yeah. And the other one is to, you call it re-education, and I sort of think it's, it's a good term, but basically shifting perception. So the mantra that underpinned all of our digital spend, all of our digital marketing spend for many, many years, and we've, we've managed this in-house for many, many years, is what we call programmatic personalization at scale. So that's the ability to communicate with a customer with a pretty intimate understanding of what they've been browsing, what they've been watching, what they've been interested in on eBay. Increasingly, we will ingest third-party data to annotate that information we've got. But you know, when you've got 14 or 15 million people visiting the website today, we have got uh, a pretty rich data set in terms of first-party information. Um, and we use that for digital to try and make that experience as relevant and personalized as possible. And what we find through all of our testing is the more relevant it becomes, the higher the conversion and the better the optimization that we get from that activity. So to give, to give a sense, we'll surface a quarter of a billion items through our infrastructure with Google today. And so whatever people are searching for through search, through text, through PLA, whatever it may be, we're sending them 250 million different items on a daily basis. We will send this week in the UK 200 million emails 70% of those will be unique because they're personalised to each individual. Each individual has about 88,000 different pieces of data that help inform that email. So about 130 million emails a week in the UK are individual and personalised. If I think about the challenge, though, that that was presenting us was that all of that activity was about responding to digital body language that intimate indicated to us that there was an intent to purchase. And Peter Drucker, I think it was in the early 90s, commented about 
the long-term results of a business are not based on piling short-term results on top of short-term results. <laughs> and so when you're a listed company like we are, that three-month earnings update mm -hmm. is important. So short-term results are critical for us, but we needed to balance that with a longer-term view in terms of building the franchise. So the best mix you can have in terms of your marketing spend and distribution is a mix. The introduction of TV and radio and all of those other channels was serving the purpose of that emotional storytelling, which we've still got challenges in terms of introducing to our digital activity, but in a 30-second TV ad or a 30-second radio ad, it's a lot more um, straightforward to deliver. Have you been able to apply some of the principles that you use in digital uh, with advertising into the traditional media channels? I think so, with some mixed results. So let me give you two examples. The first is radio. We love the power of sound and we love the ability to tell a story through a 30, 40, 60 second narrative. And with digital platforms like DAX in the UK, iHeart maybe in the US, you've got the ability now to target over IP. So what that enables you to do is have an understanding of where people are listening to your radio ads and then through the connection between tags on our site and that platform, we can inform a radio ad in terms of what people might have previously browsed on our website, where they're living, even insights and signals like the local weather. All of this gets mashed up into a radio solution now that rather than delivering one monolithic radio ad that whoever you are and wherever you are sounds exactly the same to everybody, we can now personalise that radio to a certain degree and at any one time we've got up to 65,000 different radio ads running that uh, tune into someone listening in Liverpool that might have browsed garden furniture that reflects somebody listening in Manchester that might have previously browsed an iPad on eBay UK. That gives us a lot more opportunity to be relevant and as we've already discussed, relevant and personalisation to various degrees through our testing drives performance. Maybe the other thing that we've invested more heavily into in the last couple of years is TV. When I think about when I first joined, there was a nervousness about TV because we'd not really previously understood what impacts it was having on the business. So what we wanted to do, we wanted to test and understand the efficacy and the impacts of TV mm. on our business performance, both in the short term and in the medium and long term. And so we applied a lot of the testing principles that we wrap around our digital spend to how we could tentatively move into the TV space. So ordinarily, online, you'd have a, an A, B, a test. And Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Control. And so we decided we were going to test the impact of TV in the Birmingham, the greater Birmingham area. So it's the sort of middle swathe of the UK. And we selected the Channel 4 and the ITV macro TV regions. And within that area, everybody would get to see TV. The closer you got to the epicentre of the test, which was Birmingham city centre, the more media we layered on top of each other. So if you were living in Coventry, you'd not only get to see TV, but you would get to hear radio. If you were living in Solihull, which is closer to Birmingham, you get to see TV, hear radio, and also see outdoor. And then in the middle of Birmingham, we layered on some digital activity as well. So if you think about an onion, the concentration of media got more intense the closer you were to the centre of Birmingham. In normal circumstances, you'd have a control re region that works in exactly the same way as all of those consumers in Birmingham and all of those impacts we see on the website. And you'd select somewhere else that would be your control for your Birmingham test. Now, I come from just outside Birmingham, so I can confidently say that Birmingham people are pretty idiosyncratic. <laughs> and wherever you would look around the rest of the country... There was no other region that mirrored or mimicked what we observed in Birmingham. So what we had to develop was what's called a synthetic control test. And it's sometimes euphemistically referred to as a Frankenstein test. <laughs> so essentially, we had to create from other bits of the UK a control that looked like Birmingham. So that when we layered in all that media, that, that deterministically would drive an impact and we could isolate that. We could isolate all of those signals. And so we took a bit of Liverpool, which let's say was the arm. We took a bit of Manchester <laughs> and let's say that was an ear. And we constructed a Frankenstein model of all of the behaviours in Birmingham. So that was levels of consideration. It was traffic and visits to the website. It was what we call GMB or GMV, which is the sort of transactional volume we generate. It was the typical behaviours across verticals and categories. So we had to create all of that to mimic Birmingham. And the way we stitched all of those body parts together was through machine learning. But at any one time during the eight-week test, uh, we had 200,000 of those models running to mimic what we observed in the greater Birmingham area. So a very, very sophisticated piece of test and control to isolate the impact of all of those layered media of which TV was the most significant component. That was a couple of years ago. We're still spending on TV now. So maybe the headline in terms of the impact of the test was that TV worked, <laughs> mm -hmm. which is why we're still doing it. Yeah. And we've gone from a spend that was very sporadic and we'd sort of jump into TV maybe a couple of times a year to one where it's a pretty continual evergreen drumbeat in terms of our media mix now, as is radio and as is outdoor. And that, that synthetic control model 
we've we've applied that to lots of our broadcast outdoor to try and understand and isolate the impact. So we've done it recently with a controlled test for radio in Scotland because you can isolate the signals up in Scotland relatively straightforwardly. So that's 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 the that's the basic premise of how we test a lot of this stuff moving forward. And so what does what do TV and radio and outdoor do for you differently than your digital spend does? I love listening to a guy called Rory Sutherland. Mm-hmm. He's a very wise and erudite guy. And he was on a podcast recently with John Hegarty from BBH. And Rory said something that stuck with me, which was CPG or FMCG companies often flash on a packaging as seen on TV. I can't recollect a CPG or an FMCG company recently flashing as seen on a digital online banner. <laughs> and I think, I think inherent in that statement is a sense of, for us, TV builds a confidence in consumers. Exactly. And for a digital native brand like ours, it gives us a presence off our platform. And uh, the research we did, especially around radio, signalled that when people hear it or see it um, in the middle of Coronation Street or on Capital FM... There are halo impacts in terms of trust credentials that flow through. And so that sense of confidence is something that we've um, picked up through all of our tracking. And I think it also gives you longer to tell a story. And in my, in my previous role, I used to work at Compare the Market. And so if there's ever a brand that is um, about the power and the effectiveness of TV, <laughs> then the meerkats and compare the market is that business. And we've tried to plagiarise with a little bit of dignity some of the stuff we did at Compare the Market at eBay. And it seems to be working because all of those numbers I shared earlier, more people are coming to the website, more people are cognizant of our retail standards and our proposition in 2019. And that's a combination of all the things that we do, but a large part of that has been driven through the power of TV. Sample of one. I can say it worked. I went to the website. <laughs> yeah. So you'd mentioned that in the UK, eBay sends about 200 million emails a week. Yes. So we've been talking about other media channels, but let's talk about email for a bit, because this sort of seems like that sort of, you know, no one reads emails. It just gets filtered out, goes to junk mail. But but I'm guessing you're sending these emails and they're working because otherwise you wouldn't be doing it. So So what makes email work for eBay? So emails are really a really important part of our mix. The 200 million that we typically send in a week is split between what we call transactional emails and uh, marketing outbound emails. But the principle of personalization underpins all of that. So about 70% of those emails are personalized to varying degrees. And each email, as I mentioned earlier, draws on about 88,000 historical pieces of data over the last 45 days. And that in that data set is continually annotated and expanded on. So if I think about a couple of use cases, really, so and, and this is why eBay is different to any other marketplace or any other brand online. So if somebody is looking for an item, let's say it's a children's trampoline and are watching that or put it in their basket and don't convert. If we identify across all of those items that are listed on eBay, exactly the same trampoline or something similar that may be cheaper, we will send that customer an email indicating that there's an alternative. And uh, I can't imagine any other brand going through what we call that deal maker program because it's inherently offering value, 
and great deals to our customers. The other big area of focus at the moment is on our nursery programme. And so emails are a great way of nudging people if they bought one thing into buying second and third things. And we're going through a big expansive test at the moment to understand when we incentivize that second purchase, maybe through a discount, through a coupon, what level of incrementality does that drive over the medium term? So how do consumers' buying patterns change? And what we're seeing is that if typically customers make three quick purchases in succession, their CLV or their long-term value rises very dramatically over the next six to 12 months. And so from an ROI perspective, it becomes worthwhile investing in those second and third purchases in that nursery program because you get a longer term benefit. I think the other thing that we've explored more recently is the notion that emails don't work because people don't open them. You know, maybe there's some truth in that. But when you send 200 million emails a week, we we get a lot of ben- business benefits from that for those email sends. But we've also had a lot of interesting upside from the subject lines in those emails being written by machines. So we work with a company now called Frazy, and they are a natural language processing, ML, AI, whatever you want to call it, company. And they algorithmically generate all of our headlines. So we've done a lot of testing to understand do machines write headlines better than humans? And from our experience, that's not the case. Now, what we do have is we do have interventions from humans, what we call a machine loop or a human loop, to make sure that they are not going off on wild tangents. But um, from our experience, uh, the work we've done with um, Frazy would indicate that machine written subject lines work better than human written subject lines. And so there's all these elements to our email activity that we're continually testing Uh, We've got a continual control running on the site to understand uplifts and incrementality. Um, But we are exploring, well, what a complementary medium to email. So push notifications, for instance. We've got an addressable audience of maybe three or four million people that we can have permissions to send and consent to send push notifications to. So if we've got a big offer on the site, if we've got a category offer or indeed a site-wide coupon, actually putting that in front of consumers on a push notification drives a huge amount of benefit. We can deliver more than 2 million of GMV off a single push notification in a six-hour period. So these are very, very big numbers. Um, And so I suppose our approach to emails is how do we blend that into a cross-channel mix Mm -hmm. that includes push notifications that might include touch points in Facebook or on Google through what we call an SCR, which is a single customer record. So you guys clearly do a lot with um, using data for greater personalization and customization of messaging. Um, You also clearly measure what you do very extensively. My question would be, if tomorrow something happened and they were going to take all of your data away and you were only going to be left with one data point that you could use to to optimize the return on your marketing, what data point would you keep? Good question. I wish you'd have asked me that beforehand. So I think the challenge we've got when you've got 25 and a half million active buyers on the platform is not really an issue of acquisition. So the marginal cost of acquiring an additional customer on the site is relatively high. So our challenge is driving uh, frequency from our existing buyer base. And so a very fascinating piece of data that we've got 
is what we call inventory affinity clusters. So it's not what you've bought previously, but what the models are suggesting you may be inclined or have a propensity to buy next. And I suppose our challenge is how do we get that next purchase to be on eBay as opposed to a competing retail offering, whether that be online or offline. And so that insight into what we think the customer may, may buy next is a really critical piece of data that we've worked on interestingly with Kantar over the last six months to build this quite sophisticated segmentation. And so that's informing a lot of our marketing activity to nudge people into second and third purchases. We've talked a lot about data-driven approaches, but it, it would be remiss of me not to also ask about the power of creativity in, in, in your entire media mix here. So we have talked a lot about data and analytics and a sort of scientific and rational approach to problem solving. And we do also believe that creativity, unbridled creativity and the alchemy, I suppose, of creativity has a really important part to play in the mix, not to be underestimated. And it would be remiss of me not to acknowledge that we have some wonderful partners to help us with this. So if I think specifically about our creative agencies, 72 and Sunny and McCann, but also I'm a passionate advocate that creativity should come through media as well. So we work very, very closely with Mediacom. And I think this balance between the science and the art, I think, has to inform how you structure your teams. So if I think about my team in the UK, we've got a wonderful blend of very analytical people, but also some really expansive creative thinkers. And maybe over the last 18 months, I think that started to infuse the working market a little bit more clearly. Uh, I love the fact that uh, when you see an eBay ad, hopefully you'll get a real sense of joy because it's just unbridled, colourful, and this kaleidoscope of colour that sort of hits you. And I'm definitely keen on building equity in that moving forward. And then we, I think, I think a lot of this creativity comes through partnerships. So we've done some wonderful things with Warner Brothers and Fantastic Beasts. We did uh, something more recently with Disney and Marvels, where we built a full-size replica of a TIE fighter from Star Wars and the Incredible Hulk from Avengers, clearly only using product bought on eBay. And we're doing more of that stuff to sort of punctuate seasonal moments as we track through the year. But we, there are stuff that we just say, intuitively, it feels like it's a wonderfully creative thing to put into market. Let's just do it. And I've got a very, very accommodating finance team that give permission <laughs> to take those gambles. You've been listening to Future Proof. For all episodes and more information, visit uk.cantar.com or oxfordfutureofmarketing.com. Please leave us a rating and a review and subscribe within your podcast app so you know when new episodes are released. Thank you. Thank you.